Hey, East Ridge Church Addis family, thanks so much for joining us online again today. We want to welcome you and invite you to just engage your life with what you experience online today. We're going to worship God together. Shay is going to lead us in that in just a moment. And we want to just encourage you to lean in. Uh, whatever it needs to look like, wherever you are, let's worship God together. It's why we were created, and He is honored and blessed by our worship today. Following the worship, I'm going to come and present a message from the Sermon on the Mount. This one is about the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus instructs us to pray. I want to encourage you to open your heart and allow God to speak to you through His Word today. I also want to just remind you that the church is open from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Sunday. I want to invite you to come by drop off your tithes and offerings. We want to just continue to live our lives generously, responding to the message that you heard hopefully last week on giving and how we are to give. We believe that God continues to work through us and through our giving and that we're engaged with the kingdom of God as kingdom citizens, living that out to bring glory and honor to him. Would you prepare your hearts for worship now as Shea comes to lead us? Well, good morning, Eastridge. So glad you're joining us this morning and that we get to worship together. Hope you're all doing well. <laughs> I'm excited. I have my my little team here with me again today. Whoop whoop. And we're gonna worship the Lord and um, just enjoy His presence together this morning. All right, let's do that. What are you turning to? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
the hope that you have given us that it's through Jesus that we have hope Jesus thank you that not only did you die for us but you also rose that we can look forward to life with you eternal God I pray today that as we continue through this worship um, time Lord that we we would recenter our hopes on you Everything else is going to disappoint us. Everything else is going to fail us. There's nothing else that will stand firm like you, Jesus. You are our solid rock. You are our firm foundation. You are our refuge. Lord, let that hope burn bright in our hearts today. We worship you. We give you praise. We give you glory because you alone deserve it. It's in your name we pray this morning. Amen, amen. Thanks for worshiping with us, friends. I'm so glad you're with us. <laughs> well, normally in our, our worship time, our worship service, we would have a connect time. And we would be saying hello and greeting one another. So why don't you grab your phone, say hi to somebody you've been thinking about, send them a text or a WhatsApp or some kind of message. Just let them know that they're on your mind and um, connect with them today. And we are going to hear a word from the Lord, from Pastor Doug. Hope your heart is ready. And I'm excited to see you again next week. Thank you, Shea and worship team, for leading us in worship again today. We're going to jump right in, but let's not forget that just as we've been singing, we serve a risen Savior. Amen? And He has good plans for your life. Would you open your heart now as we move to God's Word? God, we thank you for your Word today. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. God, would you bring uh, your Word to light to, and to life? Would you illuminate your word and help us to understand it? Help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, may it shape us. May it change us. May it help us to look and act and respond more like Jesus so the world around us can be touched by the truth of who you are as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to jump right in. The, this portion of the Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at last week Today and next week is these three spiritual disciplines, really with two themes that are that flow right through each of these spiritual disciplines. The three disciplines are the discipline of giving or generosity, the discipline of praying, and the discipline of fasting. And the two themes that we see throughout are these themes of motivation and reward. God is encouraging us through the, the Sermon on the Mount, through Jesus' teaching, 
that our motives matter. We looked at that last week as it pertains to giving and generosity, that we don't do it so that others will see us. We don't do it in such a way to bring praise to ourselves, but rather our motivation is to allow God's kingdom to be expressed and shown and revealed through our lives. We do it to honor God, not to bring attention to ourselves. It's the same as we come to prayer today that our motivation and how we pray is important to God. Jesus leads us as he instructs us in that. And then we see the theme of rewards, that if we do these things, these spiritual practices, these spiritual disciplines, so that we do get attention, then we've already earned our reward. Uh, But rather, if we do it to honor God, that then in turn, he has rewards for us. He's a God who desires to reward his people. We see that throughout scripture. We're going to see it again today as we look at this. As we begin, I thought I'd start with a fun little prayer that I heard. Uh, There was a man who prayed this way. Dear God, so far today, I'm doing okay. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm, I'm really glad about all that. But in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. And from that point on, I'm going to need a lot more help. I don't know if that resonates with you, but it sure does with me. I know that in this season, in these moments where we acknowledge and see all the challenge and struggle around us, I become more aware, keenly aware of my need for God in my life. And whether this season has got you praying more, or maybe you've grown lethargic in your prayer, wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, today is a great message for you. A message of instruction from Jesus on how we are to pray. I pray that it will be an inspiration for you today. You know, it's um, interesting as Jesus presents this instruction teaching on how to pray. He presents it in the form of a poem. I don't know if you were aware of that, but Jesus uh, wants this teaching to be sticky. That's why he put it in the form of a poem. We can see that from the way that it's written, the, the way that the lines are broken down, and we know that it's in poem form. And I believe that he did that because he wanted his people, his disciples, to remember this and to be able to easily apply it to their lives. Um, So not only does he put it in the form of a poem to make it sticky, but we also need to understand that there was a strong oral tradition in this time. In fact, as we look at this time period and we look at the disciples who followed Jesus and learned his teachings and, and were following his teachings and sharing his teachings with others after he departed from earth and returned to heaven... We see that it was 30 to 40 years before any of this was ever written. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they were only recorded 30 or 40 years after Jesus had left and returned to heaven. And so there was a strong oral tradition that was happening there. And so a poem with regards to how to pray would have helped them to remember and and to pass it on easily to those that they were sharing the gospel with. And so um, we, we see the, the incredible intentionality of Jesus to put it in poem form. But then there's one other thing that, I, that came uh, to my attention as I was studying and preparing that I want you to see today. And it is this. 
We know that the greatest command is made up of two parts. You'll remember what those are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I want to take you to the whiteboard, and I want to show you how Jesus laid that greatest command right into his instruction on how we are to pray. So I've got the Lord's Prayer written out on the whiteboard here. And as I mentioned before, we're going to take a look at how Jesus, right in his instruction on how we should pray, he lays this idea, this principle of the greatest command, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself right into this instruction on how to pray. It's pretty amazing. First, we've got an introduction, our Father in heaven. And then we've got two parts here that are made up of... Uh, three different petitions. And so in the first part, we've got, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you see the your, what this is doing is it's calling us to take our attention off of ourselves, take our attention off of our uh, the earth and all that's going on around us, our challenges, our problems, and to place them on God. Love the Lord your God. Put your attention on Him. Focus all of your life on Him. And so the attention goes to who? Our Father. And it says your, your, your. And the petitions are there. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we're going to take a look at that more in just a moment. But then in the second part, there's three petitions as well. And it changes. There's a transition from your attention to God to attention to community. And I know that most of us don't pray. When we, when we pray this, when we hear this, when we repeat this prayer, most of us, we, we put it in, uh, we personalize it and we make it I. We, we say, uh, or me, or I, rather than in including what I believe Jesus wanted us to include, and that is community. It's not, um, you know, help me, bless me, keep me. It, it's we, us. It's a we. It's a community idea. And he says, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us so you see the you see the the pattern the rhythm here we've got focus to God love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind strength and then love your neighbor as yourself so we can see as we're looking at how Jesus laid out this instruction for prayer that he was being really intentional because he wanted it to be sticky as I mentioned before he wanted people to incorporate this into their lives into their everyday lives and to do that he put it in the form of a poem and he also laid right into it this idea of the greatest command love the Lord your God love your neighbor as yourself as we read this passage about uh, the Lord's Prayer that it contains the Lord's Prayer today, you're going to see more of the same kind of rhythm and pattern that we saw last week as we were looking at the spiritual discipline of giving and generosity. And the, the, the rhythms that we find, there, there are two kind of themes that come uh, in each of these portions of teaching, and it, they are the themes of motives or motivation, and then the theme of rewards. And what we need to understand is that 
Uh, our motives matter. We talked about that last week. Why do we pray? What's the purpose of our prayer? What's the purpose of our giving? Next week, we'll talk about the purpose of fasting. And we've got to understand that motives are important to God. What's going on in our heart when we pray? And then secondly, the, the theme of rewards is seen over and over and over. There's a repetition. And Jesus did that on purpose because he wanted us to understand that there's two kinds of rewards. There's a reward that comes from man. In other words, if you do this, if you give, if you pray, if you fast so that other people will see you, well, then you've had your reward. You've already received your reward. But that there's a greater reward from God when we practice these spiritual disciplines. But we've got to make sure that our motives are right so that we can receive the reward that God desires for us to have. So let's read Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, which is the portion of scripture we're going to look at today and where we find the Lord's Prayer. He starts by saying, and when you pray, we're going to see that as a theme in this portion of scripture as well. Jesus is assuming that the people who are listening to him, those who are receiving his teaching, that they're going to pray. Not if you if you pray, but when you pray. There's an expectation that is there. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. That's that theme we mentioned a minute ago. But when you pray, there's that theme again. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will what? He will reward you. And when you pray, there it is again, do not heap up empty phrases, or another translation says meaningless repetition. Do not heap up empty phrases, meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So the idea there, again, Jesus is really... Uh, he's speaking against these practices that have become the norm for, for uh, those who were religious, practicing religion. They felt like if I do things the right way or if I can do the right acts, the right works, the right deeds, that, that I'll be righteous. And Jesus says, no, don't do it the way that you've seen and observed, but rather do it the way that I am teaching you. And he says, uh, they thought that, that they would be heard for their many words. Again, it's a works-based or a rules-based living. And God says, no, I have a grace-based living that I'm introducing through Jesus. This is kingdom practices. This is kingdom mentality. And, and we are kingdom citizens. And so he goes on in verse 8. He says, do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. And then in verse 9, we get to the Lord's Prayer. He says, pray then, like this. I really believe that as Jesus gives this instruction, when he says pray like this, he really meant, I, I want you to pray like this. And so he, he gets into this prayer that we already looked at on the whiteboard. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive 
your trespasses. So Jesus says, pray like this. And I want us to take a few minutes today and I want us to break down this prayer so that we can have a better understanding of Jesus' instruction for us when we pray. So we've got, as I mentioned before, this simple intro, but it's really a simple intro that is loaded with meaning. He says, our Father in heaven. Those words establish a couple things. They establish relationship, a father relationship, and they establish authority. Our Father who are in heaven or who is in heaven. And so I know that as we look at this title, this term Father, that inevitably it's going to conjure up some kind of thoughts, some feelings, and emotion in your life. And the sad reality of our world is that there has been a massive breakdown in family, the way God intended family to work. I know that there's a lot of discussion around the absence of fathers in many homes, many families today, and that those things have negative impacts. And maybe today, as you listen to this message, maybe when we use the word father, it conjures up a negative idea, a negative feeling or connotation in your heart and in your mind. And, and maybe today, the message for you is that it's time for you to, to take God out of the box or out of the mold of what you have seen a father to be and to recognize what kind of father he really is. There's incredible healing and restoration that can happen as we begin to look at God as a good father. That's why I love that song, He's a Good, Good Father. If we can begin to understand His goodness as that father role in our lives, it will transform our faith, it will transform the way we live. And I don't want to make light of this, this challenge that many people wrestle with, this idea of, uh, of putting their experience of a father uh, on God as our Heavenly Father. Uh, but I want you to, for a moment, to, uh, to think of your earthly father in his absolute best, at his absolute best. Remove all of the, the, the hardship, remove all of the sin issues, remove everything from his life, and imagine him at his very best. And then add to that all kinds of love, grace, mercy, generosity, and, and magnify that by a thousandfold. And now you're starting to scratch the surface of who God as Father is. And I know that that's difficult to get our heads around and that our experience will continue to influence how we view God as Father, but I believe that God can help you to do that. I believe that God can help you to get over your past experience and to begin to see Him in light of who He really is. Perhaps He wants to do that for some of you today. You know, this idea of our Father in heaven, and of course, uh, God being in heaven, uh, it communicates, it establishes his authority. He's not just bound by this earth the way that we are, but no, he has actually the one who has been, who has created both heaven and earth and he's in heaven. He's over all of it. And so we put him in this place of authority as we begin this prayer, our father in heaven. And you know, this concept in the introduction is really a sample of what Jesus is leading us to in this prayer. You know, let me just for a moment try to paint a, a mental picture for you that many of us uh, hold to. It's this idea of uh, heaven 
and earth, completely separate of, of each other, that we are here on this earth and that God is over here in heaven. And we're praying and hoping, uh, believing if we, if we do things the way God wants us to, that he'll take us out of, he- out of earth and bring us into heaven. But the reality is, um, this is not an accurate picture that so many people have in their minds, but rather um, that God, who created the earth, uh, is in heaven, but he's not, it doesn't mean he's not in earth. In fact, I think that a more accurate picture is this connectedness or this overlay or this, uh, this, this binding together of heaven and earth. We didn't kick God out of his creation, out of earth. He didn't leave earth, but rather he is actively involved in his creation, in you and in me, and that he is working to reestablish his kingdom, uh, that he's working to bring restoration of what he created originally, but has been tarnished by sin. And that he's redeeming all the things that sin has done to the earth, and that he's working. There's a process to bringing back together his plan, his purpose, his kingdom with his creation. And that, that that's what God is doing. And he began that by giving his son. Jesus coming to earth was the beginning of that process of God re- really restoring what he intended from the beginning. And so there's two parts, as I mentioned, to this prayer that Jesus leads us in. And I, I want us to look at these two different parts. The first part is really a turning of our head and our hearts back to God. This hallowed be your name, this first instruction, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not really a word that we use in English today, but the idea there is to is holy. It's the it's where we get the word consecrate and to purify. It's it speaks of uniqueness. It speaks of a, a oneness or one of a kind. And Jesus is reminding us that on a daily basis, we need to remember that God's name is not being treated as unique, uh, as one of a kind. Uh, You know, I mentioned God's reputation, God's kingdom is in the process of being restored. And Jesus says, pray for that. Pray for God's reputation to be restored on earth. Pray for God to use you to help restore that image to restore that reputation. How then is that going to be restored? Well, it's in the next two petitions. He says, your kingdom come. Pray this way. Pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Again, it's this idea of God, bring your kingdom and restore your purpose on earth as it is in heaven. And your will, it's a surrendering of me, my way, my agenda to the will of God. God, I know your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, your ways greater than my ways. And I want to invite you, your plans, your purposes, your will, your kingdom to come right here in my life right now on this earth. And so uh, this is us putting aside our our concerns, our frustrations, our fears, laying those things aside and focusing, refocusing our mind, our hearts on God and his purposes for us. The second part then 
is a turning of our head and our hearts to community. I mentioned this earlier as we were looking at the Lord's Prayer and the, the breakdowns, but it's a turning of our head and our heart to community. Again, it's off of self, I, me, and my way to recognize, you no, know, God has put us in community for a purpose, for a reason, and Jesus says, every day you need to be reminded of Three things. He thinks that three things are important for us, that are going to be important for us to bring before God in prayer. The first one is bread. The second one, forgiveness. And the third is temptation. And so let's take a look at it. The first one says, give us this day our daily bread. Again, this idea, this concept in these few little words is is rich. The, The idea of give us. Let me just Uh, stop there for a moment and elaborate on this idea that uh, everything we have is a gift from God. Jesus is saying you're dependent on God to give you what you need. And as God provides those things, those are gifts for you to have. And as we look at that in the context of community, because he doesn't say give me, he says give us our daily bread. It's this reminder that we are to live in community and that everything that we as a community need is given to us as a gift from God. If we could just wrap our heads around that idea, if we could engage our hearts and our lives with that idea, we begin to steward the things that God has given us and we don't begin, we don't hoard, we don't keep to ourselves, but rather we say, God, Everything I have is a gift from you, and I'm going to share it. If I have something and my friend is in need, uh, my another person in the church is in need, God, what I have, it's yours. You've given it to me, and so I'm going to share what you have already given to me. He goes on, let me, let me look at this portion that says, this day. I've already mentioned it, but this is an idea that when you pray, you're praying for this day, today. Not tomorrow. We can pray for tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with praying for tomorrow and next week and next month. But Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And he's saying, pray this day for the bread that you need. And so it's it's not just that we come to God in prayer when we feel like we need to pray or we're in a place of desperation, which some of us, some of us are feeling more uh, today than we have in other seasons of life. But the reality is this, whether you feel like You've been praying more in this season than you ever have before. Or maybe you're just tired of prayer and you're just beyond it. And you're like, God, I guess you're not going to intervene. And you've given up. You've given up hope. Or maybe, you, maybe you've become lethargic in your prayer life. No matter where you are on that spectrum, Jesus is reminding us to pray daily for what God can provide for our lives. And he's saying... I put this in a poem form to make it easy for you to remember. I want to encourage you to use it daily as you present your request to God. Then uh, this idea of daily bread. Uh, You know, there's a reference here to an Old Testament experience. Maybe you'll remember the Old Testament experience, the Israelites, as they were in the desert, in the wilderness, uh, they were without food. And where did their food come from? God provided Manna. And in that daily uh, dependence on the manna, if you if you remember the story, they couldn't store it up and save it for tomorrow, but rather God made them to become dependent on him every day for what they needed. So again, a reference to this daily dependence on God and also a reference on, on what we need to sustain our lives, this daily bread. 
you know, as we continue on, he gets to the part of forgiveness and, and he says, pray this way, pray, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. You know, this idea of forgiveness really is at the heart of Jesus' kingdom movement. Uh, it's the essence of the upside down kingdom that we spent weeks talking about. We have got to get this in our hearts. Jesus is saying, I want you to be reminded every day that I'm forgiven. God forgave me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. But Jesus came to forgive me of my sins, to pay the debt that I owed. And he, Jesus is saying, be reminded every day that you are forgiven. And as you're reminded, then extend that forgiveness. Pay it forward. Give it to somebody else that, that needs forgiveness. So I'm forgiven and so I forgive. And, you know, there's an interesting idea here that I want us to catch. I really think that Jesus, as he was instructing us around forgiveness, Jesus was, Jesus was seeing us in um, asserting our, our right to get even. And so when we're wronged, we respond with another wrong. And, uh, and then that's reciprocated. And, and one wrong is responded to by another wrong. And that's responded to by another wrong. And we end up in this downward spiral. And it's really the, the separation, us separating God's plan, God's kingdom from our lives and from our earth and from our relationships, from our community. And Jesus is saying, listen, I want to you to be reminded I have forgiven you and I want the kingdom of God to be reintegrated with your life and with the earth. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus, when he went to the cross, the, what the cross communicates is that Jesus was saying all of that downward spiral of wrong responding to wrong stops right here. The cross screams, stop. Forgive. I have forgiven you. Now forgive those around you. And if we can't get our hearts and our heads around that idea, then we miss really the heart of this kingdom of God. This is a principle that cannot be missed. And so Jesus says, I want you to be reminded every day of the need for forgiveness, your own forgiveness and your forgiveness of others. You know, um, I, I want us to recognize as Jesus did that Forgiveness is not easy. Uh, Jesus knew that this was going to be really difficult. In, in fact, uh, because he recognizes the challenge that comes with this, uh, this um, idea, uh, he follows up his prayer with a couple of verses, verses 14 and 15. I want to read them to you again. Jesus says, for if you forgive, so remember, this is post-prayer. After he's given us instruction on prayer, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh, great. Uh, let's just add on more weight to the responsibility, the obligation of forgiveness, right? Well, I think it's important for us to understand a couple of things. Number one, Jesus knew Forgiveness was going to be hard. Following Jesus in this way of forgiveness was going to be a challenge for our lives. That's why he wants us to be reminded of it daily. And then secondly, 
Jesus didn't say, hey, if forgiveness is really hard for you, or if it takes you a long time to come to real forgiveness, then you're not going to be forgiven. No, he says, if you refuse, if you do not forgive. And so basically what he's saying is, if you cannot come to a place at some point, yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, it may take some time. But if you can't come to a place of forgiveness, then perhaps you haven't really internalized what I, Jesus, have done for you. And if you haven't experienced it yourself, then you don't have anything to give. So we've got to experience forgiveness, understand it, internalize it, understand the grace of God in giving his son Jesus for us. And that will enable us then to, though it will be hard, to give forgiveness to those who need it in our lives. So we move on from this idea of forgiveness. Actually, let me say one more thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation requires two people humbling themselves and offering forgiveness, laying down their rights, two people coming together and and restoring relationship through reconciliation. Um, Forgiveness doesn't require both parties because we know sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes the other party is not willing to come to a place of reconciliation. Jesus has given us reconciliation as a ministry, and so we we continue to lead lead our lives that way. But sometimes where reconciliation is not possible, Jesus says forgiveness is still expected, still required. Forgiveness only requires one. It's laying down your rights and saying, you know what, I although you've hurt me, although I feel wronged by you, I still wish you well. I still want God's very best for you. It's recognizing that as a human, that they were created in the image of God. And although they haven't been practicing what it looks like to live like Jesus, we understand that God still has a plan for their lives. And we say, you know what? I want God's best for your life. And so I forgive you of your wrong. I forgive you of the pain. I forgive you of whatever they've done to hurt you. I know that's difficult, but Jesus believed that it was going to be important for us to to be a part of his kingdom, to be reminded daily of the need for forgiveness. The third, uh, the third part of this is the temptation. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I really believe that this was a warning from Jesus. And if we get this in our hearts, we get this idea of that we get to be a part of bringing heaven into earth, reintegrating, restoring, renewing the original intention of God and and his creation. If, If we get that in our hearts and our lives, we begin to live that way as kingdom citizens, that we should expect opposition. In fact, we should expect temptation to come. And it's important for us to address this idea because it says, um, lead us not into temptation. So we're praying to God, our Father in heaven, and we say, lead us not into temptation. And so my mind goes to this question, well, is God in the habit of leading me into temptation? I don't believe that that's what Jesus is saying there. In fact, if we look at the life of Christ, uh, I think it, it actually tells us, shows us what Jesus was illustrating for us here. Let's look at two, very quickly, two uh 
times in Jesus' life where he was tempted or he was led into a test, uh, and we see how he responded to those tests. We've got the one in the wilderness where after 40 days of fasting, the, the devil comes and tempts him. If, if God really loves you, he wouldn't have forgotten you here in the desert. He wouldn't have left you. He wouldn't have asked you to give up everything. And so uh, the devil tempts him. And we know that Jesus responds with scripture uh, to that temptation. And then the second one is in the garden, just before Jesus is going to the cross. And so he's being led into this test of, will you? Jesus lay down your life for the world, for others to be restored and reconciled back to God. So both of these tests that Jesus was led into, he didn't didn't choose those things. He didn't necessarily want those things. In fact, can you imagine how difficult it must have been uh, as a hungry man, 40 days without food in the the wilderness, and and now he's being tempted with power and everything that he would want or need. And, And imagine him in the garden, We know that several times Jesus expressed, I don't want to go to the cross. He said, Father, if if it's possible, take this cup from me. And so these were difficult challenges, tests, if you will, that Jesus went through. And yet his response was a surrender of his will and a dependence on God. And so in that light, we, we listen to these words of Jesus, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If I am going to be led into a test, God, I don't want to. I don't desire to be led into something that will test me, something that will try me. I don't want to be led into those areas of temptation in my life. But in the event that I am, please, God, deliver me from evil. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He surrendered himself. He said, God, if I've got to go through this, I trust that you are going to bring me out the other side. That your grace, your mercy, and your will, your kingdom purposes are, are going to be fulfilled through what you're going to lead me through and deliver me from. And that's an amazing place for us to land this morning. And I want to just challenge you with four practical applications as we look at the Lord's Prayer this morning. The Lord's Prayer is an amazing gift that Jesus has given us. And I want to encourage you to do four things, if you would. Number one, memorize it. It's a great place to start. Jesus made it sticky. He wanted us to, to, to memorize it, to know it. But then not only memorize it, but then understand it. Really take time to meditate on it, to think on it, and to allow God to speak to you through the words that you're reading. Take Jesus and his life experience and apply it to this prayer and to what you read in the prayer, what you memorize in the prayer. Get the principles in your heart. Allow them to begin to shape you and change you, change the way you respond, the attitudes that you carry. It will have a tremendous impact on your life. So memorize it, understand it. Thirdly, of course, pray it. Pray this prayer and pray it daily. That was Jesus' intention, was to give it to us so that we would use it, not just once in a while, not just when it felt like we should, but every day that this would be a daily part of our rhythm, our lives. Make it a habit to depend on God. God, you are my heavenly Father, and I want your will, your will, your way, your kingdom to come in my life, through my life, to this earth. And then fourthly, practice it. There are a couple of things in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this idea of restoring God's 
uh, reputation and restoring the name of God. The way we live our lives, the way we practice that will determine how greatly God's kingdom can be restored in us and through us in the world around us. So practicing what it looks like to restore the name, to restore the reputation of God. Do people see the goodness of God in your life? Do they see how God is working? Do they hear you talking about his faithfulness? We make choices every day that will impact the restoration of the reputation of God. And then secondly, there's this one of forgiveness, this key principle that Jesus knew would be a major part and a significant part of ushering the kingdom of God to this earth. And I want to encourage you to practice forgiveness. Is it hard? Absolutely. Are there going to be days where you don't feel like forgiving? You better believe it. But Jesus wanted us to be reminded daily of the importance of walking in forgiveness just as we have been forgiven. Memorize it. Understand it. Get it in your heart. Pray it daily and then put it into practice. God, we thank you for giving us this teaching that Jesus brought to us, this instruction on the who, what, when, why, how, where to pray. I thank you, Jesus, for laying it out so clearly for us. And I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to get this in our heart, that it wouldn't just be something that we know uh, and have memorized, but, Lord, that the concepts here would penetrate our hearts and would flow out through our lives. God, I believe that you are restoring your kingdom, that you are bringing heaven to earth, and that you do that as we engage our lives actively, as active participants, as kingdom citizens. And so I pray, God, that you would help us to recognize that, that we would pray this prayer, that we would depend on you, get our eyes off of ourselves and onto you and into community. And God, that you would use us to bring your kingdom to this earth. God, I pray for any of my friends that might be listening today who are far from you. They, they feel like they are so distant from you, God. I pray that they would know in their hearts and in their minds today that you are near to them, that they would hear the promise of your word that says that if we draw near to you, that you draw near to us. And Jesus, I pray that they would do that today, that they would begin to draw near, that they would begin to take steps, that they would begin to call on you and recognize their need and their dependence on you and on a Savior whose name is Jesus. And I pray that as they do that, that you would meet them right where they are today. I pray that you would surround them with your love and that you would surround them with a community of believers who would come alongside and increase their faith by living out community the way you intended it to be lived. God, help us to do that. Help us to reflect your goodness. Help us to redeem and to restore the good name of our Father in heaven. And God, may we glorify you in our actions, in our attitudes, in our decisions. And Lord, though the world may crumble around us, Lord, would you continue to be our rock, the rock of our salvation. Jesus, we put our hope in you. And we thank you for your words and your teaching today. Help us to seal it in our hearts, to never forget it, and to know how to apply it to our lives every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. I love you. I believe in you. I can't wait until we can be together again.